Today, we break down Donald Trump's January 6th indictment. Medical experts want to bring masks back to a school near you. And Biden plans to withhold federal funding from schools who teach <gasps> hunting and archery. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. And as we briefly mentioned on yesterday's show, former President Donald Trump was officially indicted yesterday afternoon on charges related to the events that took place on January 6, 2021. The 45-page indictment contained four separate charges, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. Trump has been ordered to appear in federal court in Washington, D.C. for his arraignment this Thursday. Now, for those of you, if you're not following along closely, you may be lost. This is Trump's third total indictment since announcing his candidacy, the second federal indictment, but not likely to be the last as the Georgia indictment over the 2020 election is still looming. So you sit back and you have to ask yourself, why now? Why is this all happening at the same time? Why have over a thousand people already been charged over events that took place on January 6th, but they waited over two years to charge the person they claim is the most responsible? Well, let's look back at a timeline of events uh, the last several months of political persecution of Donald Trump and see if we can find anything curious, any connection, courtesy of State Freedom Caucus Director Greg Price. This is June 7th. FBI releases documents to Congress alleging the Bidens took a $10 million bribe from Burisma. June 8th, just a day later, Jack Smith indicts Trump in the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. July 26th, Hunter Biden goes to court and rejects sweetheart plea deal after it was, was revealed the DOJ tried to give him blanket immunity from future prosecutions. Oh, curiously enough, July 27th, uh, Jack Smith adds more charges for Trump in the Mar-a-Lago case. July 31st, Hunter Biden's former business partner testifies to Congress that Joe Biden was on over 20 calls with his son's business partners and that Burisma executives pressured them to fire the prosecutor, which, you know, he did do. Oh, look at that. A day later, August 1st, Jack Smith indicts Trump again for January 6th. Huh. Curious. Here to discuss the charges and what kind of a battle Trump faces ahead, we have Newsweek's senior editor at large, Josh Hammer. Josh, um, I appreciate you being here. Uh, so you're going to like, again, you're the smart person that I always go to for things like this. Um, I want to tell you we are joined by two of your friends. We've got Jason Buttrell, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program. And uh, also we've got Emily Austin, who we just learned on set that, you know, host of the Hoop Chat. So I just want to let you know, you've got a table <laughs> full of friends here. Um, and I want you, Josh, I want you to first walk us through the four charges and like what they're alluding to when they list all of these charges? Because I read this and I'm like, what are they even talking about? How could they even be pulling this out of their asses? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so Sarah, pleasure as always to be with you, Jason and Emily. Good to see you guys as well. Hope all is well. So look, this prosecution is a sham. It's a total sham. And you know, I, I call it like I see it, Sarah. I mean, I, each indictment is, is each prosecution should be assessed on its own legal merits, on its own political optics, things like that. You know, by contrast, I actually thought 
Jack Smith's first indictment in early June was a much more serious case than this. The factual pattern that was alleged there was it was a pattern of a lot of reckless conduct and obviously presumption of, of innocence until proven guilty. And there were a lot of questions with respect to Jack Smith's invocation of the World War One era Espionage Act, which has been a very debated statute since it was first invoked. You know, there was a whole Presidential Records Act. So there were a lot of questions with that indictment. But that was a comparatively fairly serious charge. By contrast, Jack Smith, I think, has totally sullied himself here. He has he's trying to criminalize large swaths of Donald Trump's unambiguous First Amendment right to free speech. And he's also trying to undermine, I think, the integrity and the gravitas of the very attorney-client privilege itself. You know, I was looking at paragraph eight of the indictment where they kind of first introduced the so-called co-conspirators who are all unnamed here, which itself is kind of interesting. And co-conspirator two, who I'm pretty sure is my friend John Eastman, deferring to the whole Mike Pence vice presidential obligation, January 6th there, what they are trying to do by invoking John Eastman there. They're trying to criminalize not just Donald Trump's free speech right to question whether the election was actually stolen. They're trying to criminalize the act of constitutional interpretation mm. that John Eastman and various other lawyers led in their, those memos that have since been released, leading to their decision to ask Mike Pence to reject certain states of electors, kick it back to the states. Now, you might disagree, Sarah, the audience, whoever, the Democrats, they definitely disagree. They might disagree for sure with that legal argument when it comes to interpretation interpreting the Electoral Count Act of 1887 and the U.S. Constitution in this respect when it comes to the vice president's duties on counting the electoral votes. But the fact that you disagree with how these folks interpreted and acted upon their own oath to the Constitution to try to criminalize that. I mean, that's Stalinist. I'm not sure how else to say it. That is pure Stalinism. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And you look at, so let's take count three, obstruction of and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding. He wasn't even there. So like what it's we're chasing we're ro we're roaming down a very dangerous precedent that you can charge someone for something that took place when the person wasn't even there because of words that they spoke is now where we're at, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're charged. They're basically saying that Donald Trump was the ringleader of this massive, sprawling conspiracy to overthrow the 2020 election. I mean, that is that is the theory of the case. Now, to your question, Sarah, why did it take this long to to charge him when there have been hundreds? I think over a thousand people have been prosecuted thus far when it comes to January 6th. And, you know, we had the January 6th Select Committee last year, Adam Kinzer, Liz Cheney, that whole kangaroo court process. So the outcome here was basically foreordained. There was never a doubt as to whether they would charge him, really. It was just a question as to what these charges would look like. But they're, they're saying that it was conspiracy. They're saying that it was a criminal conspiracy to orchestrate the so-called overturning of the election. I mean, that that is the legal claim there. But like I said, it's infringing not just upon free speech rights. It's infringing not just upon the attorney-client relationship especially when it comes to constitutional interpretation here. But it's also just fundamentally political. Now, when it comes to the U.S. Supreme Court, when it comes to constitutional law in the federal judiciary, the court has developed a doctrine called the political question doctrine, which is where you have a dispute and the court does not stand fit to provide a remedy, monetary damages or some sort of other equitable relief. They'll say it's political question. The political branches, you guys sort it out. That is the exact analogy that should have been applied here. These are political processes for which the proper remedy from an anti-Trump perspective should be the political remedy of the ballot box, not this ridiculous orchestrated criminal prosecution. So 
I look at the judge, and I was reading about uh, this particular judge that Donald Trump is going to have, and she appears to not, I would say, not be in her favor. Um, she has tried at least 38 people who were ultimately convicted of crimes uh, that occurred at or near the Capitol on January 6th. She gave prison time to every single one. Uh, some of these people received over five years, the longest sentences that were delivered. And I believe I was reading that she was even giving more sentences than Biden's DOJ or longer sentences than Biden's DOJ was even recommending. Um, so you talk about the judge, I would say might be a little biased. You talk about the, the trial being in D.C., I would say might be a little biased. Like, what is this? Does Trump stand a chance? As much of a sham as we all know. Well, I don't. Emily, we've just met. I don't know if you also agree that it's a sham. So I don't want to put words in Emily's mouth. We're going to hear her opinion here in a second. Um, but I would say, and you've just said, Josh, is a total freaking sham, regardless of all of that. How much of a chance does Trump stand to, to get through this without prison time? Well, I mean, I presume that he'll lose uh, at the jury trial. I presume that he'll lose at the trial court level. You obviously have an appeal, right? And the D.C. Circuit Court, I mean, I mean, you know, this is where President Trump's own presidency becomes very important because he was responsible for nominating judges in the federal judiciary. And he was responsible, along with his inside advisors and outside advisors, for reshaping many of the courts of appeal. And, you know, the D.C. Circuit is not one of the more right-leaning circuits. It is not like the Fifth Circuit that I clerked on or the Eighth Circuit, but it is not a far, far left circuit either. It's not like the Fourth Circuit or perhaps even the Ninth Circuit. So, you know, on appeal, he stands a chance. Now, uh, I, I presume this case will ultimately make it to the Supreme Court in some capacity, maybe not kind of a full merits appeal, maybe like an emergency docket petition to stay a lower court. I mean, the Supreme Court will probably get a word in edgewise here at some point. But yeah, I presume that he's basically toast at trial, the same way that I presume he's probably toast at trial in the Alvin Bragg case in New York, which, is, if anything, is even more of a sham than this one. Yeah. Um, well, Josh, I appreciate you uh, joining us, coming on and explaining all of this to us. I wish that it was more of a this just feels so depressing. Like, it, I don't know. It kind of feels like this. If this is this stands and Donald Trump actually loses this case and potentially we have a former president going to jail over basically political persecution, the justice system is kind of just kind of toast as we know it. Am I am I being too de depressing here? Am I off base? No, you're not off base. I mean, realistically speaking, what I think we're seeing play out if Donald Trump ends up being the Republican nominee, as he's the obvious polling favorite to be right now, and if Joe Biden ends up being the Democratic nominee, then you will see a presidential election next fall between two baby boomers or whatever the predecessors were, the silent generation in Biden's case, perhaps, you will see a, a, an election between two folks who are well past their prime as far as just basic kind of age and aging and whatnot, basically kind of battling it out for the right over who does not go to prison. That is potentially what the American people will decide next fall. Great. That's awesome. Thanks for the great news, <laughs> Josh. Josh Hammer, uh, senior editor at large over at Newsweek. We appreciate you being here. We'll see you soon. You bet. See you soon. Thanks. Um, all right, so I want to get your, I would imagine both of you have some opinions on what has taken place, and I would like to hear them at this point. Jason? It, actually, I was rude. Ladies first. <laughs> uh, gender equality, that's all you. <laughs> Ladies <laughs> first. That was rude of me. No, we want equality. <laughs> you go first. Um, 
I uh, I read the entire thing as I always have to do. Of course. That's well, that's why we had you here today. I'm the Jason. dork that they make read all this stupid crap. Genius. Um, I uh, <laughs> four hundred page bill here, yeah, Jason. Read this. Let us know what it says. You guys ever get on Reddit for like spoilers Absolutely. and stuff like that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like I was reading. It felt mm. like like like. Uh, what are the spoiler leaks from the new Marvel movie? You know, whatever. And then it's all this most ridiculous stuff that the, whoever wrote this really wants to happen in the yeah. movie. Yeah. This sounded like a Reddit spoiler leak or fan fiction, but stolen totally from the January 6th committee. I didn't see mm-hmm. anything in there that wasn't already re- revealed from the January 6th committee. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is. The, the, the Democrats are pissed off that they couldn't impeach him for inciting January 6th. They're pissed off that nothing came and no one cared even about the January 6th committee. No one gave a crap about that. Um, so now they did some whatever this is and somehow you know rustled up a, an indictment. Absolutely insane. Uh, Josh kind of went into this a little bit, but uh, or a lot. They, uh, it, it seems like they're setting a dangerous precedent for whatever speech we do not like. Right. Mm-hmm. We're just going to make this. I don't even know what you call it. Criminal misinformation. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I don't. Maybe I guess that's now a thing. Criminal misinformation. But no one's even talking about the court, the court case law precedent that this yeah. is establishing. Yeah. How else can they use this? Because they're already using January things that they've done for January six and the people they've already prosecuted for January 6th, they're already using that some of those ways to go after Donald Trump. Yeah. So this is just building upon building upon building. Right. Where are we going to end up? Uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly dangerous. I think it's also, Emily, criminalizing like thoughts because how can you prove that someone believed or didn't believe something yeah. at any given I- time? I'm so upset about this. So I want to offer both of you a different perspective because my perspective, it's not an expert opinion. It's not Josh. It's not yours. From an exterior point of view, I just Googled. And I know the media is very against Trump, so I wanted to read both sides. And it seems like most of the articles I was reading was he said, she said. And there was one line that stood out to me. It said, Donald Trump said he knew that the things he was saying was false. Right. Did he tell you that? Right. Did he tell you, hey, by the way, I was lying. Right. Because I don't think that happened. And, you know, the journalist in me, like the first course I took when I studied journalism was ethical and moral reporting. And that, like, stuck with me. But it seems like it's just not a thing anymore. And it just upsets me because, you know, if someone's wrong, you're wrong. But you can't be wrong because the media said so. You can't be wrong because I didn't like your speech. And I'll give you an example that also really really upset me lately. I don't like Kanye West. Mm-hmm. I think the guy's a psycho. I think he hates Jews, and that's my opinion. To censor him, to criminalize him, to silence him, not an option. Yeah. I don't like you, but you can face the consequences of your free speech. This is America. This is not China. This isn't Russia. This is not Turkey. Why are we now painting someone to be a criminal because we don't like his speech? Toughen up. Like, I don't know how else to put it. I sound so insensitive, but no, just deal with it. Same with Alex Jones. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Like, like, I don't, don't, I don't agree with like these like it. Exactly. Yeah, right. right. Like, right. They, were, they were saying that Kanye should be banned from Twitter. No, let him speak his truth. And if we don't like it, he can face the consequences of losing business, losing fans, losing endorsements. That's a con- the consequence of free speech. You know, it just sets a really weird precedent. Like you said, now where do we draw the line? Because this is no longer free speech. Yeah. And now we're, we're going down a really, really slippery mountain. It's, it's interesting that, yeah, if you look at how... The mainstream media is reporting on this. They'll pick out a couple of these charges and they'll say it in the exact same way that the U.S. attorney said it. Um, a couple examples, uh, in, in which I think both ways are very, very misleading. A couple examples are the fake electors. Mm-hmm. What do you mean about fake electors? Because that sa- that actually does sound bad when I hear fake electors. We're like, oh, well, they were gonna they were gonna cast their votes, you know, in the opposite direction. 
Well, yeah, that happens. In yeah. 2016, the New York Times actually wrote about how there was a record amount of electors mm -hmm. that switched sides and didn't go the way they, they were supposed to go. Did we look into the Hillary Clinton campaign? Did, did, we, go to, did we try to investigate them? Right. No. Did we right. go after those fake electors? No, I probably mean, we've not. We've got some of those headlines up here, Jason, as you're talking. Time magazine, electors against Trump are faithful, not faithless. Washington Post, the Constitution lets the Electoral College choose the winner. They should choose Clinton. Vox, make the Electoral College great again. Let uh, conscientious electors do their jobs. Remember that ridiculous huh. Hollywood video that yeah. Martin Sheen like headlined, but it had a bunch of others, how they were quoting the Federalist Papers, which I guarantee Hell, uh, guarantee you that they, they don't even know what that Sidar. is. Wow. Guarantee you they don't know what that is. No, no. Guarantee. Of course not. They, they, they have no freaking clue. No. It was absolutely ridiculous. But I'll tell you what the problem is, and it's mostly like my generation, I call it. Nobody seems to care about doing any due diligence on any headline whatsoever. So we read one thing, and we, and I'm guilty of this too. And only as of a couple of months ago, I decided if I read a headline and I'm actually going to you know, repeat this headline, I'm going to start doing my homework on it. Mm -hmm. And only then I realized... We are horrific at reporting real news mm. on, on both sides. Honestly speaking, we love to get the clicks. We, I'm saying we as journalists love to get the clicks and the headlines. And we'll just slander someone's name through the mud as if they're not a human being and destroy them to the point that the media and, and the common people think that someone's a criminal because the headlines like you just showed us said so. Yeah. You know, if, if you actually read, you'll see it's he said she said, there are no facts. This right. is literally a race with no finish line. Yeah. The, the, the second example of that, and that's the, the, I just coming to my mind because Josh was talking about it, the, the Mike Pence ask, you know, to, so the way it's framed is Donald Trump and his cabal were like, nope, turn it over, right. you know, and instead of counting the votes, just say we won. That's how they're framing it. Right. Right. What they actually were talking about, and again, he said how they were interpreting the Constitution, was when he, before he uh, counts certain votes, let's, uh, and those specific uh, votes were like in the, the uh, battleground states like Arizona, Pennsylvania, places where they had heard that there might have been something funny going on, yeah, yeah. to send it back to them, call Congress in to have an emergency session so right. that they can fully look into it. Right. That's all they were asking. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And everything that, that, that President Trump, that they're saying is illegal, he had every right to ask for. Right, right. So I, I, I agree if you're on the outside, you could be like, well, I'm trying to think of how I would react, be reacting if, let's say in the next election, Trump wins, Biden starts doing the same things. I'm probably going to be pissed off. Yeah. I'm probably going to piss yeah, off. Yeah, but are you going to be pissed off because they've already set the precedent that you should go to jail forever if you do it? Or are you going to be pissed off that he did it in the first place? I'm going to be pissed off that he just did it. I mean, the, the, like if, if none of this ever happened and he did it, yeah. let's, let's say they didn't do it to us first. I would, or we, yeah, did, we right, did it to them right. first. Then I would still be pissed off because I'd be like, oh, he's trying to, you know, you know, up in the election or whatever. Right. It's but not that's illegal. Okay. That's it's free okay. Speech. Right. It's, it's, you it's don't like exactly. the results and you're right. questioning it. And it's right. not illegal. Like I'm not yeah. going to throw his ass in jail for right. it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Wow. Um, okay. I, <laughs> Jason owns the swear jar. <laughs> you today, ain't getting this girl. <laughs> it's mine. I want to. I want to talk about a couple other aspects of this, but we got to take a break and then we'll we'll be back with more. We want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor, this segment. So Relief Factor, we've been working with uh, here at Blaze TV for many many years, and it's worked for so many of us because um, I guess we're just all at the age now where things hurt 
all the time. <laughs> uh, I've got some back issues from a car accident that I was in a long time ago. Glenn Beck, I know, was in, I mean, like severe pain constantly and Relief Factor changed his life. It changed mine as well. It's an all natural al alternative to pain medications. Um, and it actually targets the inflammation in your body, which most people don't realize is often the root cause of your pain. So you like rub a topical cream on and you're like, ooh, it feels hot and then it feels cold or the other way around. I don't know which one it is because I don't rub it on there. Do you know why? Because I take Relief Factor instead and I don't need the stupid cream. That's why. Try the three-week quick start. It's, uh, it's $19.95 and 70% of the people who order it go on to keep ordering more because it's working for them. So the odds are in your favor. Yes, just like the Hunger Games that it can work for you. You can go, go to relieffactor.com. <laughs> I want to play for you guys the indictment announcement from special counsel Jack Smith, who he goes up there and he, I mean, the dude looks like a bitch who's about to cry, honestly. He, Swear door. <laughs> shoot, I thought Jason owned it. Of course, I just said it and then I said, shoot, oh, shoot, fiddlesticks. Um, but uh, he goes up there and he like very solemnly announces the charges. And then he has this extra commentary that really makes you go, oh, I'm sure this was totally unbiased how dramatic you're making this watch. The attack on our nation's capital on January 6th, 2021, was an unprecedented assault on the seat of American democracy. As described in the indictment, it was fueled by lies. Lies by the defendant targeted at obstructing a like bedrock function of the U.S. government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of the presidential election. The men and women of law enforcement who defended the U.S. Capitol on January 6th are heroes. They are patriots and they are the very best of us. They did not just defend a building or the people sheltering in it. They put their lives in the line to defend who we are as a country and as a people. They defended the very institutions and principles that define the United States. Oh my God, that's so dramatic. I would like to add, um, while I love law enforcement who actually respects and upholds the Constitution, I have seen video surveillance footage from that day of law enforcement officers beating the out of a woman who I believe later died. <gasps> oh my God. Yes, I saw it. It's all there. So, no, I don't think those men are heroes. I don't think it's reasonable to act as if everyone was, uh, you know, killing a bunch of police officers. The only person uh, who died that day in the Capitol was, of course, Ashley Babbitt. So it's really annoying to me to hear this guy go up there like he's about to cry, like this was the worst attack that we've ever seen in this country. Um, again, maybe they're just really bad at planning stuff like this, but I feel like if you uh, have this plan this evil, dastardly plan to uh, overthrow the government, an insurrection, you probably all plan to bring, I don't know, like all your guns. Yeah. Was there a gun on the protester side? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think like I there were, there were no, not, there no. were no shots fired. There no, were, no, 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 I'm no, not no, saying no, that no, like that's no a standard. I'm just genuinely asking. No, no. And I think what I heard was like maybe one or two protesters like, uh, were on, cap I don't think in the Capitol building, on Capitol grounds who like happened to have their firearms, but they weren't drawn. They weren't waving them around in the air. They weren't threatening anyone. Um, clearly, this was a bunch of angry people, which 
you know, they shouldn't have defaced the the Capitol building. But also, do I think it's the worst thing in the world that someone put their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk and like ripped up a podium? No, I don't. I just don't. Is, is this the demeanor that you would expect to, to see from someone that's involved with the justice system? No. That's supposedly blind? That's what I'm saying. Like, why do you have like, all this extra blind. commentary? Like, nobody's blind. This, this guy is Especially. clearly showing that he is... All in with the narrative from what the Democrat is pushing on right. January 6th. Right. I just, I just want to like add, in no way was what happened acceptable on the protester side. No. It's barbaric. No. Nobody no, should well, have done it. Not nobody, but most people will disagree with that. But my point is, there's no hard evidence that points back to Trump being the ringleader like everyone's calling it. Again, you don't have to like Trump to be saying this. The truth of the matter is there were protesters and it was very convenient for them to tie it back to someone and that's what they do. And when do they do it? Very conveniently timing when they're trying to divert from something else. So prosecute the protesters, but don't try to make it something that it's not. Like you're wasting time resources. I mean, I know exactly what they're trying to do. They're taking attention away from something else. It's probably way worse and it's just very convenient for them. Yeah, it's either indict Trump or throw the UFO card. It's either or. It's like I whatever. was really excited about <laughs> it's that. Like they're picking I was very excited <laughs> about the UFOs. You know, this, this, I'm sorry, is this coming from the DOJ? I, I don't believe yeah. 90% of the stuff that's in his stupid little indictment. But, I mean, should we believe it after just last week? Just last week. They let the Justice Department, Sam Bayman Freed, walks free right. without having to. That I thought was fake news. Like, I thought it was one of those parody accounts trolling me. And then when I found out it was legit, I actually was speechless. Yeah, well, okay, I didn't even, well, I said he walked yeah, he's free. Not walking he's, free. He didn't walk free, They're but not charging he's him free on of the camp. Right. Yeah. Right. When, when you, Which was the whole big. He right. was responsible for about $40 million in illegal yes. funds that yes. he basically stole from people, yes. but he pledged a billion. Of course you're going to let that slide. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the, then the same DOJ got caught the same week putting in a blanket immunity clause for the president's son. I wonder how much Sam donated exposed. to... Democratic Party. Yes. We should actually like look into second, that. Second largest donor oh, of the d- Democratic duh. Party. Oh, duh. Okay. Only second to Mike Bloomberg. Nice. Uh, and I mean, donated millions, millions to the Biden-Harris campaign. Yeah. And magically. What a coincidence. Your, yeah, you get wow. your charges dropped. You should start donating. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be immune to all crime. Yeah. Yeah. I gave $20. Guys, that's a joke. <laughs> exactly. I'm <laughs> I have a monthly $5. Fee. <laughs> I, thought <laughs> I thought it would get me further. Um, all right, before we have to take another quick break here, I want to play Mike Pence um, a couple days before January 6th. Let's, let's have a little flashback of what Mike Pence had to say. Watch. You know, I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. But tomorrow is Georgia's day. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, he sounded a little bit like I, maybe he should be a co-conspirator. <laughs> telling them that we're going to have our day and we're going to hear it. And there were voting irregularities. Fascinating that now all of a sudden uh, he's going out and tweeting, today's indictment serves as an important reminder. Anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. Our country is more important than one man. Our Constitution is more important than any one man's career. On January 6th, former President Trump demanded that I choose between him and the Constitution. I chose the Constitution and I always will. I'm going to go on my burner and I'm going to comment. Actually, yeah, I'll go on my burner. And I'm going to comment how. 
Just answer that question and I'll be very satisfied. How did he make you choose between him or the Constitution? Just answer that and I'm Team Pence. Actually, no, I'm not. But, <laughs> but yeah, you get my point. Nothing would make me Team Pence, but I still want the question answered. Yeah, I want my question answered. <laughs> um, all right, let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break and we will be back with more. The Biden administration's interpretation of the 2022 Bipartisan Safer Communities Act will allow them to deny federal funding for schools with hunting or archery classes. The change will, of course, end schools having those classes because everyone needs the federal funding. Um, I want to uh, welcome to the show John Lott. He is president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And John, you um, you recently wrote an op-ed about this particular issue. Right. So tell us, tell us about it um, and, and tell the viewers what they need to know about uh, this move by the Biden administration. I mean, or regime, I'm sorry, the Biden regime. <laughs> well, obviously, archery attacks are something that yes. we're seeing constantly yes. every day. Yes. In the news. Yes. Katniss Everdeen tears right. it up. That's and the, assault, uh, <laughs> the assault bows are the worst, right. honestly. And of course, you know, what better way to improve safety than to get rid of hunter safety classes? That seems like an <laughs> obvious thing, too. Right, right. So it kind of fits in with the community safety part yeah. of that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, the Biden administration's been having pretty much a war on all sorts of aspects of guns and hunting. I mean, this is not the only thing that they've done. Mm -hmm. But as you mentioned, you know, about 9% of uh, funding for public schools in the United States comes from the federal government. So you threaten to take away 9%. Mm -hmm. You know, my guess is there are going to be no schools that right. are going to keep these wow, types right. of programs. And kind of the amazing thing to me is you have uh, people like John Tester from Montana. You know, that's a pretty big hunting state yeah. that's there. Yeah. Uh, he voted for it. In fact, all the Democrats in the Senate and the House voted for this. Uh, Joe Manchin Joe voted. Manchin. And um, then you have people like Angus King from Maine, uh, another big hunting state, which uh, uh, supported this too. So They're saying it makes it safer if they don't get well, the thing educated is, on it? Well, the thing is... The, the, I mean, I don't even know what the argument is for the archery, but for, <laughs> but for uh, the, the hunter safety is they just view this as kind of a gateway to people getting guns generally. It would be better for people not to get guns. And if you don't get the hunter safety training, then you can't get your hunter license. And so it's just better to, you know, I think they're becoming more and more obvious that their end goal is just to have people not have guns per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, uh, they're doing all sorts of other things. They're, they're going to ban lead bullets for anything in, uh, in national parks for any type of hunting. Um, you know, it just came out recently that the Biden administration over the first two years has put uh, a couple thousand uh, gun dealers out of business with their zero tolerance policy that's there. Wow. I know maybe we ought to have a policy that if a government agency makes a paperwork mistake, no matter how <laughs> tiny, no matter how inconsequential, the government agency should be out of business too. <laughs> yeah, I don't so, know about that. Let's do that. <laughs> I mean, how many? If you could look over 15 years of an agency's paperwork, right. how many? How many government agencies could say we have not made one paperwork mistake right. over the last 15 years? Right, right. <laughs> I um. So you mentioned that you know they must think that if 
people not having guns will make them more safe. I have right. a feeling the work that you do, uh, you would argue that that's not the case. Right. Well, I mean, look, one of the claims that's often being made by the Biden administration or everybody else is that, you know, guns are the number one killer of children. There are lots of problems with the numbers that they have, but what they're implicitly assuming that if we just get rid of guns, then these lives will be saved. Mm. You, know, you look at a couple of the components there. Uh, you look at suicides, for example. We've tried banning guns in some places, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. And you, it's true, you've seen drops in firearm suicides afterwards. Mm. But what's happened to total suicides? There's been no change in total suicides when they've done that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just people switching to other ways of doing it. Right. You look at uh, murder, Washington, D.C., and Chicago, when they banned handguns, murders increased. In fact, every place in the world that we've either banned all guns or all handguns, every single time murders have gone up. You think if guns really on net are bad, it should be easy to find places where murder rates went down or at least stayed the mm -hmm. same. And, and you know, even out of randomness, you'd think you'd find one or two places where it down, but yet every single time in the world that we've banned either all guns or all handguns, murder rates have gone up. And there's a simple reason for that. And this applies to gun control laws generally, and that is who obeys these laws? If I go and I ban right. guns, who are the people who are most likely to turn in their guns? And it tends to be the most law-abiding good citizens. And you may take a few guns away from criminals, but if you're primarily disarming the victims there, you make it relatively easier for criminals to go and commit crimes, and you see increases in deaths. You know, there are other problems that we can talk about with their numbers, but even if you take their numbers at face value the way they want to do it, motor vehicle deaths are greater. And, you know, it's just, uh, and, and if you include, look at murders rather than homicides, because homicides include murders plus justifiable homicides, and it's not really obvious to me why a woman who fatally shoots a rapist or a murderer who breaks into her home at 2 a.m. in the morning should be classified as a bad thing necessarily that happens. Mm -hmm. So if you just look at murders, then suffocations are clearly greater in all these recent years than, than, than uh, gun deaths are. Do you think, can I, just, I, you, I, I see the Biden administration always throw around the you know, national emergency, uh, let's declare a national emergency over this, or a national health emergency over climate or whatever. Do you think that they would ever do a national health emergency over gun violence? Oh, sure, I have no, I have no problem believing that. You know, it's, uh, it, you just look at the rhetoric, you look at uh, the way they've looked at these things. You, you take something like uh, this pistol brace uh, mm -hmm. ban that they just had. Um, first of all, I don't even know if most people know what a pistol brace is, but it's essentially a strap that fits around the gun. It was designed and approved of all places by the Obama administration, where you had veterans who may have lost part of their hand in combat or may be partially paralyzed. And the whole point of the strap is allowing them to hold onto the gun despite the recoil that's there. Because if you are partially paralyzed, they just couldn't hold onto it with the recoil. So, you know, they point to the fact that there was this Buffalo mass murderer who used a, a pistol brace, but there's no discussion. Was he disabled? Did it allow him to hold the gun when he couldn't do it otherwise? had no effect on anything. They don't make any claim that made it easier for him to go and kill people. So there's like no serious cost benefit. You have millions of disabled people who are able to use a gun defensively because of pistol braces, okay? 
you're making it illegal for them to be able to go and do that. There's like no discussions. Well, how many people now aren't going to be able to defend themselves versus crimes that you're saying? It's not like we have a lot of disabled people going out and committing crimes all of a sudden that we weren't having previously. And, uh, and so I just see things like that that come down. But, uh, you know, um, you look at things like the Bruin decision last year, uh, the Democrats, uh, Sotomayor, Jackson, and Kagan, they refuse to recognize that there's an individual right to self-defense, let alone an individual right to self-defense with a gun. Um, I think, you know, you have Gabby Giffords uh, a, a couple months ago. She had an interview with Time Magazine, where at the end of the interview, they asked her, what's your goal? What do you want to achieve with what you're pushing? She says her goal was to get rid of all guns. And the Time Magazine host asked her, you know, just to be sure, are you really saying all guns? And she said, yeah, I want to get rid of all guns. I want to ban all guns. And then her uh, aide chimed in and said, well, you know, look at Australia. They banned all guns and how great it is there. Well, first of all, they didn't ban all guns. They bought about 25% of the guns in the buyback, but then people were able to go and buy guns. And by 2010, the gun ownership rate in Australia was above what it was before the buyback. <laughs> and so, you know, it just... Um, but, you know, the point is, and I can give you other people recently who, uh, you know, you look at these things. They can't ever say anything positive about people having guns for defense. And, and the weird thing is we're in this world right now where uh, Democrats have supported cutting funds for police. They support district attorneys who refuse to prosecute violent criminals. They support liberal judges who over the last few years have released half and even two-thirds of the inmates from local jails. They've supported things like this bail reform. You just had a case in Detroit a few weeks ago where um, uh, a man murdered three people. He was released on essentially just having to put up $1,000 in bail, and then he, committed, he murdered somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, he's already facing three life sentences. Right. What's the penalty that is he have a fourth life that he can right. forfeit for doing this? Right. And, and and but the thing is, they're making it so law enforcement can't do its job. But these same people want to make it so that private citizens aren't able to go and defend themselves either. Yeah. It's like they want us to be helpless. Absolutely. And I just don't get the appeal. Yeah. Do you know what I can't help but to think Password. when, when we tried to ban alcohol prohibition, did that work? Right. No. So why do they think this is going to work? Like you just said, it's just going to put the guns in the hands of the ones that don't abide the law. And they're still going to get it. Right. Well, look at Mexico. Last word real quick. Since 1972, Mexico's had one gun store in the country. The most powerful gun you've been able to buy is a 22 caliber short round bolt action rifle. Murder rate in Mexico has more than doubled since then. In recent years, they've had a murder rate that's six times higher than the murder rate in the United States. Wow. The drug gangs aren't fighting with bolt action rifles right. and and they're bringing in weapons from around the world just as they bring in the drugs from around the world. And if you if I could click my fingers and cause all guns in the United States to disappear and all illegal drugs, how long do you think it would be before illegal drugs started coming back in? Right. 20 minutes if you've lived in El Paso? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. It's, right. it's not like a drug gang can go to the police and say, this other gang stole our drugs. Can right. you help us get them back? Right. They have to set up their own little militaries in order to protect that valuable property. And they would bring in the guns at the same time they bring in the drugs. Yeah. Um, John, I appreciate you being here. Well, Will you come back?
I'd be thrilled, and thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the great work you do. Um, all right, we've got to uh, take another quick break. We'll be right back. Singer Lizzo is facing a lawsuit from former dancers who allege fat shaming and other forms of harassment by the artist. Emily, tell us what you know. Okay, so here's what I heard, and it really triggered me this morning in the airport. Allegedly, Lizzo forced her background dancers to engage in sexual activities such as uh, eating bananas from prostitutes' private parts. And my Wait, for female, female, female eating a banana out of their vagina. Just don't even try to imagine that because it's just like more. <laughs> I don't know. It's gross. Sounds like a party to me, actually. I don't well, know. Maybe you. But here's the thing. <laughs> Would you come out then, you know, months, years, whatever later and then say that you were forced to do that? Can, can I just prompt the question? How did Lizzo force you to do that? You know, if she was doing it herself to each their own. But did she put a gun to your head and say, you're going to eat this banana? Like, I, I want to know how these allegations came about. How are you forced to do that? Okay, to be fair, she's very large. I was going to say, she's a big girl. <laughs> I might be a little intimidated if Lizzo was like, you will eat the banana. <laughs> <laughs> you will eat this banana out of this prostitute's vagina or you're fired, bitch. I'll be like, okay, yes, ma'am. I will eat that. But whatever you want, ma'am, I'm just, I agree with you. Because that's, I was just saying? like, how? I, I literally want to go to the girls and be like, what are you doing? I want, did, I want to know how Lizzo forced you to do that. Did she just ask and you're like, okay, Lizzo, because I want to be your dancer? Right. How did that come about? And then the fat shaming, like, that speaks for itself. I, don't, I, don't, I actually, I don't have to say anything about that. Like, the memes on Twitter <laughs> speak for themselves. This woman put her back on screen. The allegation is that this woman <laughs> is fat shaming her backup dancers for this woman, this woman is fat shaming her backup dancers for gaining weight. They that's, look pretty that's fit the allegation. in the background. They look great. I mean, it's, listen, when you're behind that fatso, <laughs> it's very easy. Well, no, I wouldn't say they all look wonderfully fit. No, but it's okay. She's she's a new standard of beauty. Well, that but that's the thing is like she's supposed to be the new empowerment of, you know, female beauty and the epitome of beauty and it's okay to be morbidly obese. Just look at Lizzo. Well, why isn't it okay for her female dancers then? It's just horrific. You know, I was actually I was talking to a runway model at New York Swim Week and she's very very thin, but beautiful. She's healthy, yeah. she's fit, she's toned. She's like it's so unfair that I invest my life into looking good and profiting off of runway for a girl who's morbidly obese mm -hmm. to win the cover of the magazines and she gets the brand deals because she's the new standard of beauty when I work out seven days a week Got and it, I right? run and I take care of myself. And I was right. like, it's not easy yeah. to look healthy, no. to be fit. It's not about looking thin. No. It's just about taking care of yourself. Yes. So neglecting yourself is not the standard of beauty. It's the standard of everything you should try not to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, this pop culture chat Brought to you by the news and my, why it I love how I was just kind of like out of my eye. I know. I, I, like, I just let it go. Look at him. He's, He's like the wall. And I'm like, <laughs> he got nothing to say. I'm not even going to go to him. We'll be right back. Hey, guess what, guys? MSNBC medical contributor says it's time to bust out masks again for schools. Watch. I would just keep people on alert that when you're in those crowded spaces, think about the coughs and the colds, and sometimes many people don't even have any symptoms. 
a mask can be your best friend. Mm. Keep it private. Back in time, we've had them in our pockets and our coats and our backpacks. Time to bring them out again, especially as the school season starts. We don't want to see kids missing school oh, for no. things that we could have prevented. Mm. The schools that are defunded by Biden. Uh, <laughs> right. right. Get ready. Make it stop. Masks are coming back. Do you so know I stopped COVID. going to a certain nail salon because they made me wear masks like up until six months ago? I was like, I'm going to make sure nobody ever comes back here ever again. Here's the hypocrisy. My body, my choice, right? right. I agree with that. You right. want to get an abortion? God no. bless you. That's between you and God. My body, my no. choice, but not when it comes to vaccines and not when it comes to face masks. Suddenly... You don't have a choice. Well, I would it's argue. It's not your body anymore. Now, I would argue that it isn't your body when it's in the case of abortion. And yeah. we can respectfully disagree on that because yeah. it is another human life. And I do not believe that you have the right to do that. I would say. Um, but for I, argument's I, sake, that's what the left's saying. My body, my choice. They are saying my body, but my not choice. When it comes I would to say, well, I would say the only actual my body, my choice argument that you would have that is actually your body is when it comes to masks, vaccines, and anything that you are actually putting in, injecting in, ingesting into your body. And they, of course, want everything to be forced. So It's just like they took away free will. Yeah. They condition the public. By the way, Jason, thank you for being here. Um, I do want to note the uh, wonderful, the beautiful Emily will also be joining Alex Stein later tonight. I don't know if she knows what she's in for, yeah. but I, I honestly we'll don't. <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.